welcome, podcasters. Trolls rise and light to meet it. <laughs> I've warned Josh that as the the dark grew stronger, so would its equal in the light. Lucasfilm, I assumed. Wrongly. So we are here to defend The Last Jedi on this episode of Whose Filmography Is It Anyway? With me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Josh Page. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you for another lovely introduction, as always. Yes, we have been building to this one for a while. For the folks at home, Steve and I have uh, more than hinted at the fact that this episode was going to be a special one, I guess. I don't know if a special is the right word, but it would definitely be significant. Here, we can talk about uh, how we've gotten to this point. So without further ado, Episode 8, The Last Jedi, Love It or Hate It, here we are. We're going to make this as non-controversial <laughs> as possible. Non-controversial. Non-controversial. All right. Why don't we just <laughs> jump right into the, because I, I, I feel like this is going to be a big episode. I also didn't take too many notes, but let's start with something really unavoidable and really sad. Uh, obviously, in December of 2016, Carrie Fisher passed. And this was her last film or the last movie she intentionally filmed. Because uh, again, they made do with uh, The Rise of Skywalker. We'll get to that when we get to it. But this is the last movie she ever really like was part of. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's just sad. And you can feel the reverence for her in this movie i think they gave her some pretty badass moments i agree and you know i just thought i would bring that to it to, you know, not I, to bring uh, us down but i felt like talking about her death is just important well our show has gone very chronologically you know we've cr gone chronologically well episodically but also like in the history of everything like it's always you know talking about the backstory and the fact that this happened before the next movie it's kind of like it leaves a big gaping hole it's like what are they going to do with her with the character whatever and you know we'll obviously talk about it we'll break it down but they i think they did yeah they gave her a good send-off i mean if it were me you know i would love to be you know be given that mary poppins moment you know in, in space and <laughs> we'll cover it anyway but yeah they they, they gave her they gave her a good send-off it is it is sad because this is this is the first i guess real significant death in any of the star wars cast that we've seen thus far yeah uh, like i don't think any other of the main actors had died as at any this point. baker i believe died previously but i don't i don't mean to offend kenny baker like no great guy but like obviously he didn't have as much screen time as carrie fisher had um um yeah, actually, the top the top note for this movie is that with the passing of Kenny Baker, Anthony Daniels is now the only remaining actor to uh, appear in all of the official Star Wars films. Because <laughs> I guess R two D two and C three PO were you know throughout. Yeah, I think, uh, but I even Peter he also um, makes a cameo in um, Solo. So I don't I don't know where, but I think yeah. He does. But even um, I don't know when Peter Mayhew passed away, but even then it's like you know people started to yeah came out. Jesus. I don't remember exactly when. Uh, um, sad stuff. Anyway, let's yeah. move into other territory. So I would like to begin by reading a quote by Ryan Johnson. Quote, Lucas never made a Star Wars movie by sitting down and thinking, what do the fans want to see? 
and I think that is quintessential to this entire podcast, like that, this entire episode. That's yeah, that's actually really profound because it's like, I mean, we'll get into it, but talking about even what Empire Strikes Back does and how differently it is and how different this is, and then obviously how different the prequels are based on what people think they want from a star wars movie yeah and um, let's i guess to go off chronologically yeah the prequels were not beloved in their time and even still some people don't love them so clearly george lucas right. it wasn't going for the fans he was going to tell his story which is what ryan johnson was trying to do and in hindsight i think that ultimately you know, good storytelling will pay off despite what, what hordes of fans may think. And I think yeah. that that's why, you know, uh, you know, Empire Strikes Back is what it is now. And then I think, I, you know, when it came out, I know it was successful and people were shocked by the ending, but I think it's just, I feel like it's only gained more success because of how different it is, you know. Let's get into the actual making of the movie. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy said she immediately thought of Ryan Johnson when the she was told that new Star Wars movies would be made. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But that's what she said. Um, Johnson uh, said, quote, When I started writing, I looked where Seven left off, and I wrote down the names of each of the characters, and I started saying, what do I know about each of these characters? What do I think they want? Where could I see them going? And what would be the hardest thing for them to, to go up against? So that is the basis of the entire movie. Again, I just wanted to make a note. I didn't take a lot of notes about production or pre-production because I felt like the rest of the movie is just a very, it's a dense movie. It speaks for itself, yeah. So um, I didn't get too many notes, but I wanted to make a note that there is an hour and 34 minute documentary about the making of this movie attached to the Blu-ray and it is great. I highly recommend it. Um, anyway, back to it. They shot this movie in over 100 days with 120 sets, which is crazy. That's the wild. head of the prosthetics and puppetry department said that this movie was bigger than uh, Episode 7 and Rogue One combined, which is nuts uh that's enormous because brian wanted a lot of authenticity on the set so the Vol volp texts the you know foxes at the end they built like literal animatronics for those the sea cows were real they like literally built those things with udders and milk that you could drink canto bite had all these prosthetics and all that the porgs were puppets and practical uh where are we uh yoda obviously he brought back the puppetry so i mean that was a big thing we touched on in last week with force awakens was that the going back to the authentic production design um and how it makes all the difference and i really I, I enjoyed that they continued that that they didn't you know there's obviously unav unavoidable cgi but like they most of like they kept true to the spirit of the original trilogy by doing puppetry and animatronics and stuff and it, i i as always, I love that stuff. Yeah. Um, even the mirror sequence was shot, not obviously not practically, but ILM <laughs> and this company called One of Us developed a way to line up Alexa cameras so that they could practically capture 
Daisy Ridley's snaps and claps and whatever else she's doing. That's cool. Yeah, it's really cool to watch too. If, that's why I'm saying watch this documentary if you have time. It's really good. Um, as where for, where is it? It's on the Blu-ray for The Last Jedi. I think you had that one. So, uh, I, I, Michael I, Island, which is where obviously Octu is. They were only allowed to film on that island for two days. Two days. That's it. Yep. Oh my god. Um. Iceland took over for uh, part of the location, but what ended up happening was they looked at how much set needed to be built and realized it was just too much for like on location in Iceland. So like the Jedi tree was originally supposed to be put in Iceland, but budgetarily and because of Yoda and the puppetry, they decided they, they can't do it. So they built that on the studio lot. Where was I? Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley were both on set for the moments that they were uh, communicating with each other through the Force. So, like, whenever they were filming those sequences on whatever set, both of them were there because that's cool. Ryan Johnson wanted them to feel like they they wanted to feed off of each other in that way. Well, I mean, and we'll obviously get into it, but it's like those, some of those scenes are very like compelling because it feels like, even though they're in different locations, that it doesn't just feel like the actors are by themselves, like in a green screen room. You know what I mean? It's just, it, it, it's, it generally feels organic, which is it's, cool. Yeah. It's more intimate than that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, a funny story that Daisy Ridley told was uh, she took her father to the set of on Skellic Michael Island and he was just like walking around and saw Mark Hamill <laughs> and he like introduced himself and said, so who are you playing again? <laughs> and Daisy Ridley said to this day, I don't know if he was joking or not. <laughs> That's so good. Um, so we got to talk about the big thing here because if we don't, we're going to get slammed by people for not being fair. So we have to talk about Mark Hamill's quote when he said, quote, I fundamentally disagree with every choice for Luke in The Last Jedi. Now, he did say it. There's no denying he said it. And he said it multiple times to multiple press outlets. However, after the movie came out and he got a chance to see it. He said, and I was wrong. Yeah. And he said, I mean, he maintained respect for Johnson as well as the film. Um, I don't have like the later quote, but like it is known that he came back to um, kind of like revoke his, his previous statement. And <clears throat> I feel like this whole episode's going to, I mean, we do it a lot, but I feel like this whole episode's going to be, you know, whatever, teasing a final discussion, but it's that, I feel like that whole um, that whole thing that happened, that whole that whole thing with Mark Hamill making the quote, speaking ill against, it, and then later being like, you know what, I was wrong. I feel like it's like a big meta- metaphor for how this movie w- will play out to people. It's literally exactly how the movie plays out. <laughs> <laughs> now, I mean, yeah, I yeah, yeah. The argument that's made <clears throat> against it is that Mark Hamill had to come back and, you know amend his statements because Lucasfilm was like you have to like 
we're getting eviscerated on the interwebs. You need to like come mm. back and tell people like you like this movie. And that's possible. Maybe he didn't like this movie. It doesn't matter. So you feel like it was I, more right. My our overall feeling is oh, an actor doesn't have to like the movie they're in. It's do they give a good performance? And in this movie, I think Mark Hamill gives arguably his greatest performance ever. So except for maybe when he played the Joker on Batman the Animated Series. So I was gonna say so underrated, but it's gained its it's gained its following. People people know Hamill as the Joker is so good. Um I yeah, I think that I mean I don't know, I think what you just said is 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 kind of it's profound because it's like you don't have to like it, but you still gave you still gave it your all. You know what I mean? It's still like well that's the second sentence to the quote i fundamentally disagree with every choice for luke in the last jedi but i will do everything in my power to make ryan's vision come true right and he did Uh, yeah i mean this yeah we can talk all about mark hamill but we'll you know we could save it but it's like this really is like it's the movie that was like all right like he's just kind of like you know he's mark hamill he's just whatever he's the awkward bumbling like you know like you know he's we enjoy watching him but he's kind of just there to like oh he actually like can really act you know what i mean (laughs) i know it took however long in his career but that's how i felt i remember watching me like i never felt this way about mark hamill's acting watching the original trilogy so it's cool to see him even as like an older man just kind of like oh he's like can like show this different kind of emotion way he never has before and we could talk about it now but i felt the same way about carrie fisher I didn't really make it a secret that I did not care for her acting in the uh, Force Awakens. Um, Force Awakens, yeah. Again, it's also I yeah. love her, but the acting is not great in that. It's, I feel like in this one, it just like clicked. I I think that what I so and I mean we could do a whole I mean not to not a debate, but like we could talk about the difference between you know J.J. Abrams directing and and Ryan Johnson's directing, and I think that like in terms of like that whole bit about even Carrie Fisher's acting is you're looking at her under the direction of like a big blockbuster actor who's trying to like get a story off the ground versus an actor, uh, sorry, versus a director who's known to like do much more smaller, like intimate character portrayals. You know, like J.J. Abrams writes good characters, but he's more about this, this with, for lack of a better word, like galactic story. Whereas like Ryan Johnson, all of his movies, it's just, he's a strange choice because he's all about these like, really carved out characters but the stories are never like enormous so i think that that reflects on the actors he works with because his characters are usually really good and they usually have you know great chemistry and and so i think it's very interesting that carrie Fisher gives a much better performance this time under the direction of well she also helped uh, i i forgot to make this note before but something about carrie fisher is that she was a one of the most renowned script doctors in all of Hollywood like she worked on a lot of scripts that you didn't even know she worked on Um, I had read that when I was reading about this that someone made a note of that keep going but she though Ryan Johnson obviously wrote this movie from what I heard or from what Johnson said after she passed like she helped write the last Jedi script he would show up at her door and they would work until like two in the morning on the script and just like spitball ideas and she would help him like fulfill his vision so it wouldn't it doesn't shock me that um she was better in this movie because she helped craft the movie yeah. so 
if you have a better connection to something and you understand the writing behind it where she didn't have that access with JJ that's not her fault or anyone's fault because in most movies the actors don't write the script well I'm just yeah. saying in this regard it <clears throat> would have helped all right so you ready to get into the oh movie? man I mean all right so we diving into the uh the plot breakdown long time ago in a galaxy far far away the first order reigns having decimated the peaceful republic supreme leader snoke now deploys his merciless legions to seize military control of the galaxy only general leia organa's band of resistance fighters stands against the rising tyranny certain that jedi master luke skywalker will return and restore a spark of hope to the fight uh, foreshadowing uh, but the resistance has been exposed as the first order speeds toward the rebel base. The brave heroes mount a desperate escape. This is the first time in an episodic movie picks up like immediately after the last, like literally after episode seven, you like jump right into this one because you obviously yeah, I... see Ray handing the lightsaber to Luke like right off. Yeah, the that's... That means it's immediate. That's and, never happened. Yeah, it's never happened. The only time it happened is obviously with Rogue One now, but we don't know. There still could be like time in between Rogue One and A New Hope. No, with Rogue One, that ship is chasing the other ship. Like with Rogue One, if you were to like edit the end of Rogue One at the beginning of A New Hope, like those scenes could be the other. I, I, I mean, like episodically, it's yeah, the first time. I'm just time. saying episodically, this is the but, first time. JJ kind of not JJ, but like they kind of until we're left with no option but to pick up immediately because how could I mean, you if without that reaction it, of handing the lightsaber to Luke, it's like it's you, a giant like, cliffhanger. Everyone, everyone wanted that moment. Yeah. They needed to know what happened immediately, and yeah. you know, they, if and maybe it would have been better if they didn't play it immediately after. No, um, oh God. The resistance is manic abandoning their base of Dakar. It is too late. The First Order Armada pulls out of light speed. General Hux orders his Dreadnought to obliterate the Resistance fleet. The Dreadnought is pretty sweet. Because you know what the thing about it is? It's a great way to move technology forward in the universe, mm -hmm. but it's still logical enough where like you're. it's not a, a when you get to the Rise of Skywalker, you're having Star Destroyers being able to blow up entire planets. That just, like, doesn't compute with me. But them nice. being able to fire something like a Dreadnought kind of does. You know? Something that can, like, send a huge bomb. Right. Like, it looks like an atomic weapon goes off, not like a planet is destroyed, you know? Well, it's cool because they're showing how... It's, it's showing, like, I guess, like, a military upgrade... Because like we've, I, you know, we've talked about how it's like, even though it's Star Wars, like there's not, the space battles don't really get too in depth. Like we don't see it as in depth. You know, we see certain scenes and we talked about how like the opening of like uh, Revenge of the Sith, there's like a great space battle going on that feels like it's, it's evolved a little bit. It's like, it's, you're seeing it from a different perspective. One of the things the entire sequel trilogy lacks is like this idea of an of original um, 
you know, moving, move, you know, coming out with a, uh, not just original ideas, but like original concepts and even down to the designs of the ships or, or whatever it is. So like you said, even something to like set off bombs, like it's like, it's cool because we've never really seen anything like that in Ooh. Star Wars. <laughs> uh, a single light, uh, a single light fighter piloted by Poe Dameron, Oscar Isaac and BB-8 are flying toward the Armada to stall. The boosters on the X-Wing load and Poe is propelled forward. Single-handedly, he takes out the Dreadnought's cannons. The Resistance, the Resistance fleet is on their way. A direct disobedient act to General Leia's, Carrie Fisher's orders. The Dreadnought is destroyed and the Resistance gets away, but is a Pyrrhic victory. You know what Pyrrhic means, right? I, I don't know if audience members know, but it's a way of saying it's a tactical victory but a grand scheme failure you know it's like you won but you didn't but you really lost you lost more than you won it's a common it's a common i i guess term for for military because it's, yeah, it's like you know we we when people say like we lost we, we won the battle but we lost the war like that's just like a branch of kind of that concept. Yeah, exactly you again you won but at what cost Right. The entire armada is now destroyed. And if we could talk about just how badass that scene is for a minute. I like, love that. I love the whole sequence. That whole sequence is like on the edge of your seat, just like, holy shit. And I know the trolls are going to come at us and say, well, bombs, the bomb's gravity doesn't match for the dreadnoughts because that's literally a. I've heard um, it. I've heard that. Yeah, I've heard the complaint. And get the fuck over yourself. <laughs> Like, I mean, you're telling me you didn't enjoy that sequence, I, that I, immense, like, intense sequence because gravity doesn't work on a dreadnought? Fuck I, you. Like, I think on. that I think when people start picking apart details like that, you're missing the whole point of what Star Wars is because it's a, it's a soap opera in space. You know what I mean? Like, who gives a shit what the bombs are doing? You know what I mean? Like, just let people do their thing. Um, the way it's filmed, even. Like, I remember watching the scene where the, um, uh, with the... the I don't know where it is. I don't know her name. The sister, the character, uh, and she's up in the, and the, she's on the dock, and they show the close-up yeah, of her face with the eye. The, yeah, anyway, Rose's sister. Um, but even the way, and she, even the way with the bombs, and they do right. Even even the way that the music fades out, she's kicking the she, you know, she's kicking the wall to get it to drop. I just, I, I, lo I loved it because it immediately strapped me into the action, like I'm watching a war movie, yeah. and like again, and that's something I've never. Sorry. Yes, thank you. And that's something, again, that's something I've never really experienced during Star Wars. I've never felt like it feels like real war. And like that moment is just like, I don't know. It's just, it's a cool perspective. And the, I think the bombs help and haters can eat a bag of dicks. Yeah. And just like Paige's entire thing, you're like, come on, come on, catch the thing, catch the thing. It I flies love it. past her face and you're like, no. I really do love it. It's great tension, but yes, Good. it's, yeah. Uh, Finn, John Boyega in the medical bay jolts awake. He only has one question. Where's Ray? I love this cut too. Uh, he's like, where's Ray? And then music from the last movie kicks in as you hover it to the Octo. Mm -hmm. On Octo, Ray, Daisy Ridley, holds out the lightsaber for Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill. The Jedi Master takes it, only to throw it over his shoulder. <laughs> Luke goes to his hut and locks the door. Tired of being ignored, Ray has Chewy, Jonas, Sutmo's, Sutmo, I, I don't know, break down the door. Oh, yeah, that's the new, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
obviously Peter Mayhew is not Chewie in this movie. Ray insists Luke. I, I think to, Peter. P- Sorry. Sorry, no, I didn't mean to keep interrupting. I think Peter Mayhew came back for The Force Awakens, I think, he to did. do some some Wookiee calls. I don't know if he was actually in the costume, or maybe he was for one or two shots. He was in the costume for the sequences w- where he sits down, not for, like, the running stuff. But this is the new... This, this is, is the new guy. This the new is Chewie. all him. All right. Uh, Ray insists Luke come back on the Falcon. Confused, Luke asks, where's Han? So I guess a lot to talk about here. Well, let's start with the big one. Luke throwing his lightsaber. Tell me your feelings. Um, I, I, I mean, okay. So I think I don't, I won't, I, I gotta really not try and like make everything out to be a production when I speak, but it's like, I think internally I'm like, you, it's such a big moment and we're waiting two years to see what the payoff is so like to see him chuck the lightsaber is like a lot of people feel like that's like a, a metaphor for ryan johnson throwing away everything that jj did and yada 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 and so in, in a sense i'm frustrated by it and they kind of do it as a gag like it's like a joke which is like a like a lot of my problems with this movie is like i guess when the jokes don't always work but everything else is so good that it doesn't bother me it's just for a moment that is so big and so built up to in the forest where I get kind of literally thrown away in hindsight. I don't mind it because it fits with what, with Luke's character, not being part of this, this invitation. He's not being part of this. He wants nothing to do with it. And so like in hindsight, after watching the whole movie, I I'm fine with it, you know, but I can see why it bothers people. <laughs> I can see why it bothers people as well. Um, this is one that I won't, blame the haters for hating of course i've seen the argument he could just you know just literally drop it like let it roll out of his hands and it falls to the ground and then he could walk away but it's like that's a middle ground and kind of like you said this is luke's character now he's literally thrown away everything from the past like he wants nothing to do with it at all that's the other perspective this is him saying i'm you yeah, know. like <laughs> I, I he's being handed his father's weapon, his weapon, and he's saying no. To me, this is the moment. You know that there are moments in some movies where it's like it clicks, and it's like, oh, this is what you're going for, mm-hmm. and you're either at that moment on board or you're not. This is that moment. Like, right. people were teetering before because of the jokes that Poe and General Hux were making because we didn't talk about that, but, you know, not everyone appreciates those jokes. It's forced humor. Yeah. Yeah. To me, the jokes kind of land. I find them funny, but... um, But this is... So people were already teetering, but this is the moment where it's like you're either in or you're out. Mm -hmm. You either get the vision or you don't. Yep. That's a great way of putting it because I know people who signed off right from the beginning. They were like, I knew I, you know, I knew it was terrible in the beginning and I hated it all the way through. And this is that first moment. I do. I completely agree. It's the moment says you're, <laughs> you're with it or you're not. Uh, in Supreme Leader Snoke's Andy Serkis's throne room, which fucking amazing production design, by the way, need to mention. Love it. The all red encompassing and the red Praetorian guards pretty good yeah Um, the visual the visual perspective pretty pretty 
In Supreme Leader Snoke, Andy Serkis's throne room, General Hux leaves as Kylo Adam Driver enters. Now, I just want to make a note because I didn't before. General Hux tells Snoke that they have the resistance caught like a rabbit on a string or something like that. And Snoke is like happy because that means that they can track them through light speed. We'll get to that in a little bit, but that's yeah, the plot. Know. It's an important plot development. Yeah. Openly, Snoke mocks and torments Kylo for his failure on Starkiller Base. You were unbalanced, bested by a girl who had never held a lightsaber. You failed! The seed of the Jedi Order lives. As long as it does, hope lives in the galaxy. I thought you would be the one to snuff it out. Alas, you're no Vader. You're just a child. In a mask. Brutal stuff. Brutal stuff. Say what you will about Palpatine and Vader's relationship. Like, you can kind of tell that, like, the Emperor would constantly test Vader, but he didn't emotionally berate him. Yeah. (laughs) Snoke is, like, a fucking savage. Like, Um, tearing Kylo down. It's like, Kylo just killed his father for you, and that's not enough. Right. And I, I think that this is like you said, like with the moments, this, and this movie's full of them. We could do this almost every probably section we talk about, but it's like, there's a moment, this is another moment where there, it's like, it's meta. It's like, you're literally talking about like, you know, you failed, whatever, you know, this, you're a child in a mask. And it's like, it's abandoning everything that we thought was being a, a, a copycat formula of whatever A New Hope was doing. And like, you're just showing right from the get-go, like, no, like, we're literally saying this is different, you know? And this is only the beginning, you know? No, but that's an important point, too, because I think Johnson took Kylo's character and made him a, his own character. Up until now, he was just a carbon copy of Vader, and he took him he took that character and brought him into like the real world and was like you killed your father how did that really make you feel you know like what are your choices doing what is it amounting to and he's real and you see the wheels turning in kylo's head that the past is just like not where he wants to dwell anymore right uh in a fit of rage kylo destroys his helmet Ray gives Luke the download of what is happening in the war against the First Order. She presses, saying that the Resistance needs Luke Skywalker. You don't need Luke Skywalker. Did you hear a word I just said? I think what? I'm going to walk out with a laser sword and face down the whole First Order? What did you think was going to happen here? You think that I came to the most unfindable place in the galaxy for no reason at all? Go away. Rather than back luke maintains his daily chores in the morning Um, i just want to talk about yeah before we keep going i just find it funny that they use the term laser sword because the only other time that was an imdb note the only other time that's mentioned is from anakin young anakin in phantom menace yep and (laughs) george lucas used that term too so it's just funny that like it's good it's 
Yeah, and it's like also funny because a lot of bands get pissed. It's like off a callback when ever yeah. like people are like, "Oh yeah, they have laser swords. They're lightsabers." <laughs> anyway, go on. <laughs> it's a, it's a more meta meta moment for multiple reasons. It's good, and it um, also sets up expectations for this movie. Like this is the crux here. You think I'm gonna walk out and face down the first order with a laser sword? That's exactly what he does. Yeah, like, it's really oh man, yeah, it's it's good the way they set up because they're basically I don't know we can we'll get into it later. Rather than go back, Luke maintains his daily chores, uh, including uh you know him you know drinking the milk. So, I drink your milk. So, <laughs> milking. Well, I also a, want to make a note of that too. I feel like it's very poignant that Luke has submitted to chores because in episode four what was his problem he wanted to get away from the mendacity of his life he needed to get away from the chores and the daily routine well what happens when you go through a traumatic event you revert back to your childhood and what makes you comfortable and i think that's what happened here he's found solace in his daily chores i i agree i think it's interesting because it's very also realistic a lot of people do that they revert to their childlike ways of what they're used to with routine it's what makes them comfortable because they don't know how to deal with you know making change and so they go back to their habits it's a very human thing to happen so for luke going back to his chores it's a very interesting comparison yeah in the morning haze ray hears whispers calling she's led to the sacred text of the jedi the sacred text now curious uh luke asks who ray is and specifically why the resistance sent her Ray explains that something has awoken inside her. Once again, <laughs> once again, once again, Luke rebukes the call, pressing it's time for the Jedi Order to end. Yeah. Uh, um, heavy stuff. <laughs> I love it. I love, uh, I'll continue to say it more throughout, but the interactions between Ray and Luke on the island are just, I mean, it's my, it's, it's, it's my favorite bits. I mean, oh, I just, me I love the, I could have watched the whole movie of just that. I think I said that to you when we first, when I first saw it. I don't want to ruin my final thoughts right now, but in reality, but you know, that to me, the crux of this movie is the triad of Ray, Luke and Kylo. A hundred percent. But we can get to that. Yeah. Later. We'll save all that later. Um, slap. Poe is demoted. Literal slap. Exactly. <laughs> Leia, Leia tries to get Poe to, uh, to understand the preciousness of every resource the resistance has, the first order has found them, including Snoke's ship. Jumping to Which light is speed huge. is that no longer is an option. Huge. It's enormous. Um, fighters are launched on both sides, Kylo at the head of the first order. He gets a direct hit on the resistance hangar, crippling their fighters. Full engines are put into effect. If they get out of range from the first order fleet, the fighters will pull back. Ben, with his hand on the trigger, cannot pull it, but other fighters can. The bridge is destroyed, and Leia is sucked into the vacuum of space. Don't worry, we're going to unpack it. Hold on. Uncrusted in the deep freeze of space, Leia's fingers twinge, and through the force, she pulls herself to safety. So okay, let's talk. Uh, I don't let's know if you want to harp on that here. for a moment. So let's <laughs> Before we get into the Leia bit, let's talk about the other bit of controversy that Admiral Akbar died in that in a way. It's a cheap shot. I I've think that that is also a cheap shot. I think I don't it th is war, and that's what happens during war. People die. I agree. I do agree with that for sure. And, you know, people on Game of Thrones die instantly all the time, and no one bats an eyelash. So don't be coming at me and say, like, he deserved better. <laughs> He was a military commander who died at his post. Like, it's a, what's more it's also a character that? who's 
no what's more noble than a peach yeah in all of star wars he's he also had, in all of he's star also, wars he had maybe like a hundred words like a hundred words said so he was known for one line fans know him for one line I'm not saying I'm not don't now don't get me wrong I'm not diminishing his character I'm not saying anything bad about him but it's like he's he's like a like a, like a one off and so you're saying he they they wrote off the character in a realistic way that happens in military that happens in Game of Thrones it's time to just show respect in the way that you know things like that happen all the time. <laughs> now we'll move on to the actual. We're not going to have a, a, is... a funeral service for. Uh... There's no time. Um... There's literally no time. no time. Actual, um, contra- actual controversy. So the actual controversy of Leia in the vacuum of space using the force to pull herself in. Did I have? This, did this work for me? I honestly do not love it. I'll be honest. I I agree with fan with the if he, here's what I'll say. Does it take me out of the movie? kind of do i understand why fans complain about this moment absolutely and can i can i say that they are wrong no i can't this is the moment that where i'm like i understand your frustration it's a strange moment because like i remember watching this in the theaters and like i remember like they build the music they show her and that wide shot of her the mary poppins shot of her floating back it didn't, not a lot of people, but like, I remember like vividly, like a couple people started like giggling in the theater. Cause it's like, it's like not every day that you're expecting to see old Carrie Fisher at this point, you know, in this like floating through space. And just to sit, go off of what you were saying earlier, the moment with Luke throwing the lightsaber is a moment early on. It's like, you're with this movie or not. I can imagine like from the opposite end of the spectrum, watching this movie, seeing that moment and being like, okay, like you're like throwing this back in my face. Like you're make you're showing that you don't care. And then the movie goes on and then this moment happens. And I can imagine being that same angry fan and being like, okay, well now you're just like insulting my intelligence. And like, I can see where, like you said, like I can see where the people get upset, but at the end of the day, it's like, these aren't things that are going to drive me away. Like, I think it's strange, but it's a, whatever they're giving Carrie Fisher one last you know weird moment of of being a uh of yeah. being a, a how a I justified in my mind character I guess I, how I justified in my mind is that this is a galaxy filled with space wizards so is it really so inconceivable that this could happen no do I love it no but like you said it's not gonna like take me out of the movie it's a and it's a good character moment for Leia because it shows that she was trained in the force. Like, she right. It's showing she's a little, force. she's more, she's more powerful and she's more, she's at a much, you know, she's a bigger point than we realized that she was at. Yeah. Well, clearly, cause she's literally survived the vacuum of space. The vacuum of, that's about it. She can survive it all except anyway. for, you know, uh, in the dead of night, Luke sneaks onto the Falcon and is reunited with, with old friends. Like everyone, R2 pushes Luke to come back. He even plays Leia's message from years ago. Uh, while he will not go back, Luke has uh, decided to train Ray. Um, um, I, yeah, go on. No, I say I do. I really, I do enjoy that moment. Even Luke's, I think it's a moment that completely works when uh, R2 plays the little projection. And I don't remember, uh, what does he say? He says that's, that's a, a cheap shot. Um, he says that's a cheap shot. He's like, that's a uh, yeah. cheap shot. I and love it. I, I think a it's a great moment. moment. 
and it was a great moment in the theaters. I remember everyone going, yeah, but I, I don't know. Go, we could talk about more stuff later. Let's just keep going. <laughs> All of the resistance leadership is gone. Through the chain of command, Admiral Holdo, Laura Dern, now takes the helm. Purple hair and all. Poe speaks to his new admiral, but she reminds him that he has been demoted and he'll get no such information. Finn Maywell makes ready to leave on an escape ship. He is confronted by Rose, Kelly Marie Tran. Initially, Rose is in awe of Finn, the hero, but quickly figures out he planned on deserting. Uh, together, the duo figure out that if the main destroyer's tracker is turned off, then the resistance can get away. Poe gives out his authorization, but does not want to tell Holdo. Before holding out, Maz Kanta, Lupita Nyong'o recommends a code breaker on Cantobite when they have that, uh, you know, that face okay. there's a lot here. <laughs> Let's break some of this down. First of all, the Maz Kanata thing, I I'll, I'll say that doesn't really work for me. It just no. doesn't. It feels like a video game. It feels like, uh, like I said, like a FaceTime call. <laughs> yeah, it literally feels like a video game moment where you're like told by someone like, oh, you need to go to this next location. Uh, Yeah, it's a, it's a pure exposition moment. It's so small that it's not, I it mean. It felt you... to me like Lupita and Iyango reaching through the screen and saying, yeah, I'm busy filming Black Panther. I can't come and join you right now. So, um. That's number one. Number two, we could talk about Rose. Uh, I honestly don't hate Rose as much as everyone else does. I don't get why she gets hate. And like compared to like Jar Jar Binks, is this really where we want to put our hatred? Like, uh, it's. I'm not going to open up this can of worms now. I nor do I think we should even open it on this show. But it's like the. The, the hatred towards Kelly Marie Tran is something I'll never really understand. So there's, all right, so I, I'll say this, because I don't want to open a can of worms outside of our show, because like, we can talk about social issues or whatever, but like hating uh, the actress is, is a completely different thing. As far as the character goes, um, I don't love the character, but I also don't mind her. Star Wars has been filled with annoying characters from beginning to finish. And this is just a character who very clearly you're kind of with her or you're definitely not. And I, I, I don't mind her. Like I don't. Yeah, she's like, fine. Like it's to me. I just don't get the hate because it's like, what is she doing that's so egregious? I I just I watched this movie so many times and I don't understand why people are like, I hate her. She's a pretty cool character. Like she's a badass when she needs to be. She's sweet when she doesn't, you know, when she's not kicking ass. Yeah. So like, I don't understand where the problem is, except it's, if you're racist. And if like, you're a racist and a sexist or whatever it is, it's. I mean, I, I think like you, I just feel horrible that she felt the need to like just <laughs> delete her social media completely because people were just tweeting horrible, disgusting things at her. And it's like yeah. you signed up to be in a Star Wars movie. Like this was supposed to be the greatest moment of your life, and now people are ruining that for you. Like, yeah, and that's. That's the can of worms that don't open, but yeah, I agree. Fuck them, retweet, you know. <laughs> yeah, and then finally um, we could talk about. Never mind, we'll talk about Haldo later. Um. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah. The, I just wanted to mention this is like the crux of it all right here. Haldo. Well, in this, this moment, which one? This scene. Yeah, with Haldo and Poe's introduction. This is the crux of it all here. She's not going to tell Poe anything. She doesn't trust him, and she doesn't like him. Like. The last thing I, I heard about you is that you were demoted because you are a hothead and you got all our bombers destroyed. Like, we have no defenses right now because of your ass. So don't be coming to me and looking for favors. 
you know so we'll, we can get mm-hmm. to that later on though uh there's a shift it's in- good because it's setting up these giant building blocks oh, i'm sorry it's oh, just no, setting no. up these giant bu- building blocks um for all the characters to change um in their own way and so like you said about being the crux of everything with 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 holdo and and poe is like that's just part a big part of these gears shifting and you're wondering why is everyone reacting this way and why everything becomes controversial and like people don't like certain things but this is all part of characters completely doing a 180 which is what this whole movie is doing so yeah um but anyway there is a shift in the force soon kylo and ray in two different parts of the galaxy see one another Without hesitation, Ray shoots, but the bolt only hits the wall, <laughs> much to the caretaker's chagrin. I love those caretakers on uh, Octo. I, I didn't make a note of it, but they're uh, so good. They're funny. They can, they, Ray and Kylo can only see one another, but not their surroundings. Their concentration is broken and the visions are gone. Uh, Ray does not tell Luke about this, uh, about any of this. Now, do we want to talk about this now, or should we hold off on the force communication? Um, I mean, it's the first time we see it, but I mean, we can, I don't, we can discuss it um, later. Um, We'll we'll talk about it when it gets more vital. I just wanted to note that it's a good, I I thought it was a great call. It's It's a good first moment to introduce it. Yeah. And it sets up all the rules immediately. Like Kylo obviously makes the note like, I can't see your surroundings. Yeah, like yeah. it's good. It's teasing the audience. Uh, before the session begins, Ray once again presses Luke to come back. Luke asks what she knows about the Force. What do you know about the Force? It's a power that Jedi have that lets them control people and make things float. Impressive. Every word in that sense was wrong. I love that quote. I use it all the time. It's really effective. Yeah, and it's a great way to like remind people. Something that Ryan Johnson said he wanted to do was he wanted to remind people that the Force was not a superpower. It's more than that. Absolutely. Uh, on the edge of a cliff, Ray sits on a stone as Luke asks her to reach out with the Force. Her visions start in the light but end in the dark abyss. Luke calls out to her as she falls into the darkness. When she comes to a scared master, once again flees the scene. Ray checks in on Chewie. The Falcon has been overtaken by Porgs, which uh, the Porgs are hilarious to me. Again, to me, anyone who hates the Porgs, it's another like nitpick. Like, this is why you hate the movie because there are Porgs because they're Grow up. birds. Grow up. Uh, just to add on to what you're saying about Porgs, is I don't. The, there's a, a trivia about them. I guess they had the Porg design in mind. But the only reason they kept adding so many is because the island they were filming on had a bunch of puffins. Yeah. And so in order to like, you know, shoot around that, they just, you know, designed more of the pork. So I think it's funny that they just kind of ran with this creature design that ended up becoming popular for many and hated by many, many others. <laughs> As she basks in the rain, the connection is made again. Ray is immediately combative to her force uh, companion, Kylo. No destination is revealed, but water has made its way through the projection. Finn and Rose arrive on Canto Bight's casino. Finn is as smitten as Rose is disgusted. As they watch the father's race, the underlying horrors of the planet become apparent. 
the code breaker is found. It's Justin Thoreau. My God. I love it. He's there for like from a leftover. 30 seconds for leftovers, man. That's our boy. Oh man, that show. You so should, good. You guys should watch that show. That's Everyone my, that's should my pick of the week. That's that's our pick of the year. When Steven <laughs> yeah. and I met, when Steven and I met, we traded shows that I would watch Rick and Morty and he would watch the leftovers, and we're better people for it. <laughs> oh man. Uh the code breaker is found, but before contact could be made, the duo are taken to prison. Rough stuff. Real quick, just if we're gonna do this, like just to just to make notes about what the sections we read. Um, the what I was alluding to, and I won't get into this, but like what I was alluding to about like the island stuff being my favorite is I think what it is is and it stands out in this scene where Lucas training Ray is that it reminds me of everything great about Luke's training with Yoda on um, Dagobah because it's like there are these moments of training and yada, 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 what is the force? But then there's like these comical moments thrown in that work because it's like part of like, it's like natural. It's part of like the Star Wars world. It's not too overly serious. But then Ray has her one gl- uh, glimpse of darkness. And like, you know, he tells her, you went straight to the darkness. And like, it feels very, very reminiscent of Dagobah, but from a totally different perspective. And I just really, it's a reminder of what I appreciate, regardless of people saying it's just copying the same plot formula i appreciate how much it's channeling the inner star wars fan in me about like even just the simple training and back and forth between two good characters what i love about it is it does have reminiscence of dagobah but it's also completely different lessons something that luke is pointing to in this moment that we should that i should have made a note of is um he says something very poignant that you feel the light and for the uh, for the Jedi to vanish doesn't mean the light will vanish. Do you see that? Like, that is the crux here. He, this is why he ran away because he has come to the conclusion that the Jedi don't harbor the light. Like, just because they talk about using the light side of the Force doesn't mean that they own the light side of the, the dialogue. Force, which is, is so what, good. Which is the fault to that. That's the vanity that the Jedi had something that Josh and I talked about during the prequels and got actually, we, I I actually loved our conversations because we got deep into it, but the complexity of the Jedi legacy, because for all their high and mighty talk at the end of the day, the order fell because they couldn't see something so obvious (laughs) that it was literally right in front of their nose they set themselves up to fail without even really noticing that it was happening. Yeah. I mean, and that was the, the whole thing is like, they had to go into hiding and they were being killed. And it's like, they had no other option because like they were only acting by code because all they saw was their way. No, you said it. They set themselves up to fail. And that is why Luke is where he is right now, because he followed the, Yoda's instructions when gone am I the last of the Jedi will you be pass on what you have learned but he took it too literally and he tried to rebuild the Jedi order exactly the way it was and it fell again almost immediately and he's seeing this never-ending cycle and that is what he's trying to remove from this situation he's hoping that if he just extradites himself from the situation the dark will fall because the light will fall it's better if none of us exist than if some of us do and this is 
And this is just the beginning of that whole concept of the gray area. And obviously it's, you know, we'll get more into it later, but it's just, this is the beginning of it. This is the beginning of those, like those feelings of like all coming full circle uh, uh, happening. And Ray also notes, like I saw things in the force, but I didn't see you. Luke Mm -hmm. has completely cut himself off from the force. Which gives more severance to him not even being that the, the fact that no one could find him in The Force Awakens. That is actually a point that Ryan Johnson made. He said when he was writing this movie, it was important to him that Luke not be able to use the force because if he were able to use the force and sense what was going on in the galaxy, it would make him a coward. Right. And he couldn't live with Luke being that kind of coward. It's so good. I don't want to tease. I don't. I'm getting too. I'm getting too anxious about what, about getting into my final thoughts because I have a lot to say. Just we'll we'll keep it going. Keep it going. Keep it going. After practicing with the lightsaber, lesson two can begin. The lesson is not in the Force, but in the history of the Jedi's failures, as we just talked about. Um, just as the Jedi of old succumbed to hubris, so did Luke. The story of his temple's demise is told. Luke went to talk with his nephew, but Ben brought down. Ben brought down the temple. He failed because he was, quote-unquote, Luke Skywalker, Jedi Master, the legend. Rey promises that she will not fail her new master. Um, I like that this is the beginning of the Rashomon uh, bit. It's cool. That's another thing about perspective. Uh, it's, uh, I love it. We can harp on that later. Um, resistance ships are falling one by one. They have only six hours of fuel left. In the Cantabite prison, Finn and Rose meet D- uh, DJ uh, Benicio Del Toro. He's uh, you know, it kind of comes out of nowhere. Another cool talk about people who like chew up their scenery. This guy is like eating oh, up yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, he's really just milking every second he's on. Um uh, another code breaker. After a harrowing escape, which uh leads to uh the Fathers. The fa- the who? Fathers, the horse races. Oh, that's right. The, which leads but to Fabier's. Yeah. I was going to say, I was, which leads to fa, Fabier's uh, wrecking the casino. DJ agrees to work with the duo. On the cliffside of the dead of night, Luke reaches out in the forest and senses his sister. The connection is made again with Ray and a shirtless Kylo. Unable to understand, Ray begs to know why he killed his father. Kylo flips the script, saying she should understand because her parents threw her away like garbage. <laughs> One thing I'll say about Kylo is he is not afraid to tell the truth no i do i i love like, it i just like garbage I, I, it's oh, it's amazing um kylo then tells his version of the story that luke was about to kill him before he brought the house down this Wait, is the rashman sequence i know they i know and they reflect on it one more time and this is another bit of that like i could have seen me I don't know if you, you did it well. Like I could have watched a whole movie of this because it's like, it's so compelling to see the humanistic side between two characters who are misunderstanding each other. Um, it's almost the opposite of what Luke, of what Ray is doing. Um, sorry, what Luke is doing with Ray. Um, and it's, I don't know. I love seeing well, that that's perspective. That's true because what Luke is doing is he's telling her, she, it's not even what he's telling her it's what he's reluctant to say and do and like kylo and what kylo is willing to say and do kylo is willing to be harsh with her but he's giving her emotional attention he's willing to listen to her problems mm-hmm. luke is like you need to listen cats and dogs man okay. just but on the flip side like she's on octo for luke to help her instead like she's helping luke (laughs) you know what i mean 
I'm sorry. It, keep going. Keep going. No, I, I completely. I wanted to. I don't no, want to I mean, downplay what you're saying. So, he's not happy that she's here, and though Kylo may not be happy that they're joining, both of them sense that there is a greater purpose to them being joined. Well, and I just to take what your point is and just continue reading because the next line is that Kylo's philosophy is then revealed: let the past die, killed if you have to. It's the only way to become what you were meant to be. This is the beginning of kind of like the the real intentions of these characters are finally coming out and you're finally seeing like, maybe they're, they're not what you thought they were. And like, things aren't going the way you think. I mean, these lines are literally, they're meta, but like they're, they're driving home a point. Um, in, in a vulnerable state, Ray visits the cave. The mirror becomes her reality. And in single file, Ray is engulfed by her own reflection. At the end of the tunnel, she asks to see her parents only for her own shadow to emerge. Another poignant moment that, I remember being in the theater and like there was chatter when she goes to see the fog and like you see these two characters and like you hear chatter in the audience. It's like, oh, it's going to be a big reveal. And then it's no one. It's just further reason that like everything is changing and things are not what you think they're going to be. And this um, is brilliant. I am sorry, but I love it. I love this force vision so much. I think that it is like, so brilliantly shot one and the metaphor just like obviously speaks for itself mm -hmm. this is it you're being told right here that she is no one mm -hmm. that she is her own person mm -hmm. and that it, it's more powerful to me that that is what she's told we'll get well, into that yeah. when kylo makes the ultimate reveal but of course but the fact that it's so the scene is so reminiscent in ways of its dark ambiguity of Luke seeing Vader in the in the woods in Dagobah uh, to chop off his head and this whole thing about seeing himself in Vader's helmet and like there's a father son metaphor there so it's like it's almost like mirroring no pun intended uh, it's like mirroring that scene where it's like you know there's like uh, an in depth connection to like your 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 bloodline or your parents but then for her to like you're building to like because that's all she wants and then it's like it's really nothing but her and herself the way it mirrors uh the the dagobah scene is very interesting especially because they, they both have different outcomes i mean they both don't well they both both of them have the same outcome because it's the protagonist and themselves but it's it's teasing the darkness and i just think that's that's obviously a huge pur purpose to this whole yeah journey um at uh feeling completely alone uh ray talks to kylo their Which projections again, important she's yeah. talking to kylo not to luke right she's not yeah she's talking to the she's turning to the the villain of the story you know not the what who we knew as the hero you know yeah. um their projections touch and in that moment luke walks in in a rage he blows down the hut i want to make at, a note that was a practical effect they literally pulled the house apart with Mark Hamill standing there, which it looks good. Fucking awesome. It looks good. It, it's cool. Go on. Um, at her wit's end, she confronts Luke. They spar with pipes, but Ray pulls out the lightsaber. The final story is revealed. Kylo was growing in Kylo was growing in Ben's mind, and Luke could not stand idly by. He ignited his lightsaber. It passed like a fleeting shadow, and I was left with shame and with consequence. The last thing I saw were the eyes of a frightened boy whose master had failed him. Ray believes there's still good in Kylo, and once again pleads for Luke to come back, but again he declines. The Falcon departs from the island. I want to make a quick. I want to quick make a quick note with that with that dialogue is that this is a testament, aside aside from story elements, that Ryan Johnson's a great scriptwriter. 
His because oh, the dialogue, 100%. the dialogue is the pe- like, that whole bit that it, it like like the story is like we can you know we can wank it all we want and people could say it sucks but at the end of the day like Ryan Johnson knows how to write dialogue like he know like he. Ugh, it makes me so frustrated that pe- that so many people can't see it, and I, I'm not going to go into final because we always do. Like I always tease it, we always tease it early, but it's like the dialogue here alone is the crux of what makes Star Wars movies good and what makes them work. So anyway, just Ryan Johnson as a screenwriter, it just shows in a testament to a quote like this. Yeah, this whole sequence is phenomenal because that line, uh, it passed like a fleeting shadow, and I was left with shame and with consequence. And the last thing I saw were the eyes of a frightened boy whose master had failed him. It's poetic. It's, it's like so a... poetic, and it's the crux of Luke again. It's why he is at this like yeah. desolate state. Not only does he have the failure of the Jedi on him and another massacre on his shoulder, but he knows that it stems from the fact that he failed fundamentally his blood, his family. Like, he was about to kill his nephew because he knew he couldn't go through what he went through with his father again. He couldn't be the one to bring this child back. Right. And he Um, never, and like, he always, you know, he knows that at the end, too. It's not, like, he doesn't have that close of enough of a relationship with Kylo. He can't bring him back from the light. So it's either I kill this child or he destroys everything that, not just he, but his, but that Leia and Han and everyone had worked towards. Yes, it all built for it. Yeah, and I think that it's very like to, to harp on it, like, being, like the Rashomon moment being like what part of what like you, I'm so invested in and why it's it works so well is that it's like what you just said is like it teases what we want from what we know of the story. It's like turning him from the light or whatever. And he literally just has this human moment where he takes out his lightsaber thinking like, I could just go this way. Well, what's kind of funny and what's coming to my mind, like, is that we're being told obviously three stories, but the first story we are willing to believe because of what Luke says that he hates the legend of Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker is telling you, I only went to talk to him and we believe it because it's Luke. Because it's Luke. And I think that the whole concept of perception. Yeah. And Kylo woke up to Luke holding a lightsaber. We know that's true. So what is he supposed to think? He's literally, like he said, a child waking up to his master holding a weapon. You know, what is he supposed to do? And Luke, and then you just peel it back more. It did happen, but Luke obviously felt horrible that it did. He didn't mean for it to go this far. But and there's I, never, and there's never been a, for me, I think there's never been a moment more genuinely human in terms of like making a mistake or acting on emotion and then like, having consequences for it like star wars has never gotten that deep like from a human to human level anyway so it's just (laughs) we're about to get get a lot deeper because yoda's about to show up with a torch in hand luke marches toward the jedi temple from the force arises an old friend master yoda frank oz luke continues to the tree but cannot set it ablaze i love that moment too like he's all fired up how many times has this happened to like you or like anyone in real life where you get so fired up about doing something and then like you're 
there you're about to do it and then you're like i can't i can't do it i can't do it uh yoda then reaches out sending a lightning bolt. of course that's just being human you know it's yeah yoda then reaches out sending a lightning bolt to finish the job once again yoda sets jedi master luke skywalker back on his path first i wanted to mention i love yoda in this movie i feel like ryan johnson wrote yoda perfectly because this is the O T yoda this, this is, is how we yoda knew him this isn't cgi preach yoda who's a great you know it's a great character but that's who he used to I'm be this is still the puppetry but because the puppetry is amazing I, well of I course but but the character is it's, it's kooky old back. yeah it's kooky old yoda the way that we we knew him when we were growing up watching the original trilogy when he blows up the tree and he's just hilariously he's just, he's just gigg- he's giggling <laughs> I, oh it's so good or even when he's like the sacred jedi text oh read them did you you know right. Yeah, page turners, they were not. not. (laughs) It works, man. He just gets it, man. It makes me so frustrated. Keep going. Uh, It only took 30 years after death, but Yoda's finally learned the lessons he needed to learn. I know. It's hanging out as a force ghost. He's like, oh, I finally get it. Like just watching from his little ghost orb. He's like, oh, this is how the world is supposed to operate. Um, I just, and I love how, just to go off what you're saying really quick, is how, again, it's meta that Star Wars has been swallowed up as this giant philosophical kind of like, and it is to a degree, um, like, you know, um, message about good and evil. And like Yoda's completely coming back to this point. Like it's, even about the Jedi text, like, no, it doesn't have to be so serious. Like, sometimes it's as easy as just being like, no, this is what you thought, but it's not, it's not that, you know what I mean? It's, um, it's like, it's like reading, it's like spending years reading books about gaining knowledge about a subject and then it all like not mattering because you're, you're still not getting the point. I mean, it's, it's almost, an, it's another meta moment to what Star Wars is. People are like, oh, Star Wars is this big grand thing. Say, like, it's Ryan saying to JJ, don't fuck it up. Um, <laughs> please please uh yeah and again this is the crux of the entire movie the greatest teacher failure is because that's what this movie is it's every single character failing and rising above their failure or in kylo's case not really but although i guess he does end as a supreme leader so that's pretty cool <laughs> i have so many final thoughts i have to keep it short keep going please but in route dj opens up the discussion of payment he wants rose's necklace as the as a down payment a philosophical debate opens up about who the real good and bad guys are quote it's all a machine partner we don't have a, too much like we're, we're running freely over so i don't want to harp on that too much but it's cool that they kind of hinted at war profiteers within the star wars galaxy we don't really see a lot of that it's part of what this movie is and it's all a gray area yeah at his boiling point poe marches into the bridge to confront haldo even going so far as to call her a traitor ray in an escape pod loads on on snoke's ship to find kylo at the same time finn rose and dj make it onto snoke's ship as well Almost immediately, they are spotted by BB-9E, which is BB-8's, you know, Imperial First Order lookalike. In order to see the plan through, Poe stages a mutiny. DJ uses Rose's necklace to open the circuit breaker. Shots fired on the bridge. Haldo fights back. The mutiny is brought to a quick end when Leia stuns Poe. Leia's back, guys. Great. 
Simultaneously, stormtroopers head, headed by Captain Phasma, Gwendolyn Christie, surround the group. They got got. You got got. You got got. Um, an unconscious Poe is loaded onto a transport. Haldo, however, will stay and keep the Radis going. I just wanted to make a note. Their ship is called the Radis after Admiral Radis from Rogue One. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. That's cool. Um, on an elevator, Ray and Kylo are equally convinced that the other will turn. The door opens to a jovial Snoke. Young Ray, welcome. Snoke toys with young Ray, ultimately revealing that he was the one who bridged their minds. He then extracts the information he needed from Ray's mind. Yeah, that didn't look like fun. Nope. Uh, when Poe jolts uh, awake, Haldo's plan becomes clear to him. The rebels will sneak away safely on tiny crafts. Finn and Rose are brought to their knees to await death. DJ, on the other hand, sold out the resistance. The transports are fired upon. Snoke uses this torture, uses this to torture Ray, but she continues to get back up. You have the spirit of a true Jedi's... It is because of that you must you must die. The task of killing Ray is delivered to Kylo through uh, through mind tricks. Kylo spins the lightsaber to quote unquote kill his true enemy. Anakin's saber ignites and cuts through Snoke. The Which, uh, I remember, I was like, "What just I, happened?" I love it. I love it so I much. I loved it so much too because this is a, another thing Ryan is so great at building expectations to where you think something is going to go and then completely just flipping it on its head because you this people expect I mean, that to be a rehash yeah. of episode eight but the emperor doesn't really make an appearance in that obviously he's in the hologram but he doesn't make like a big appearance in that movie so people expected snoke to be like the big bad guy through episode nine but here he's just it it's it's over well, and, and that's you know, and yeah. in a way, this makes a better villain out of Kylo. A hundred percent, he kills his, he kills his, he he betrays his mentor, kills his father, and then he murders his new mentor. You know what I mean? Like his like the, as far as Luke Han Solo yeah. and and Kylo and and us and, and Snow. It's not he's, just that. It's like I, I said this before, but it's like Snoke is not really that interesting of a guy i'm sorry but he's snoke not. is a snoke is a, is a pawn he's a piece he's a powerful a disgusting looking uh all-powerful dark side user sitting on a throne we we've seen this before I, I i remember seeing this before so what's more interesting seeing him on the throne or seeing kylo on the throne i think kylo would have worked better but they obviously kind of squandered that in the rise of skywalker but we can get to kylo's redemption i'm i can't my brain can't even go to rise of skywalker right now yeah let's focus on the good stuff but either way this is a good scene because you the audience almost could never have seen it coming i well i'll just keep it going um the, the guards go in for an attack. After an intense battle, Ray and Kylo realize that they are, they are not on the same wavelength after all. Okay, let's talk about two things right here. One, um, actually, we'll talk about one thing and then you should keep reading. Um, let's just talk about the fight. Awesome. Like, so, badass choreography. Every now and again, like, especially, like, well, like, like for the folks home, like Stephen and I will send each other like like article articles or like lists or rankings or breakdowns and stuff of like Star Wars and like recently there was like um uh, best lightsaber duels, and this is one of those moments that like if I'm really hankering for like 
watch a Star Wars fight, like I'll go on YouTube and I'll just like relive it. And this is one I'll probably revisit more than almost the any other because everything about how aggressive and how fast and the fact that it's staged in this giant red vibrant room red that's room also gonna and burn. then and and it's catching fire and just everything about just like i mean it's just when i say aggressive i mean like they're stabbing these guards like through the chest like through the face and like it's just so and i just i love the, the lightsaber technology with the with the yeah. the nunchucks or whatever and it's it just it's so cool to see samurai influenced weapons that are turned into like with lightsaber technology i remember losing my shit in the theater because i'm like okay this movie's got a slow pace i love slow as i get older i'm like but it's gonna have to build to something and this is the first real action beat of the movie like things are happening like there's the canter bite the stuff with the with the horse the racing or whatever but yeah. like but like there's no real like big action moment and then it hits this and it's like oh wow this is what we've been holding out for and like it pays off completely it's phenomenal and i just wanted to make one final note i just love you mentioned it before but the this also is a great star wars humor moment like with Mm -hmm. kylo turning the lightsaber on the praetorian guard's face and then turning it off that's like that's spot on like star wars humor (laughs) like perfect uh so i will admit because uh no i'm in the middle of reading yeah no, I'm still. You know what? I can't do this. If we if we harp on it, we're gonna be here for fucking four hours. This is ridiculous. Just read the next. All right. So hold on. So we're about to get into more <laughs> deep and sweaty stuff. After the intense battle, Ray and Kylo realize that they are not in the same wavelength. After all, while Ray wants to save the resistance, Kylo wants to let old things die. The axe is dropped when Kylo tells Ray the truth. You have no place in the story. You come from nothing. You're no one. Again, uh, not one to hide the truth. No, here. but but me. He reaches out to to uh, to take Ray's hand. Slowly, she raises her hand. She pulls her the lightsaber. The two lock on Anakin's old weapon as they each pull. Um, um, again, this is a big moment because again, it's again, again the dialogue lands so well to reveal the moment. But please, I don't want to steal your thunder. Say what no, you're I just love this moment because you think that for a minute when they're fighting together, you're like, oh my god, like I thought they were gonna make some, out. Well, yeah, but <laughs> you think in that moment, it's like, holy shit, one of them has like, like Kylo's turned back to the light. He just killed Snoke. And it's like, no, that's not what happened here. You're not paying attention. Kylo is not killed Snoke because Snoke was a fucking dick. <laughs> so like, and he didn't want to kill Ray because he felt as though Ray and him had a connection. He felt he primed her up enough that she would turn and because he again they saw that they would turn he was so sure in his vision that he would turn uh that she would turn with him that he jumped on the chance to kill snoke and she was so sure that he joined him in battle so like they you think they're on the same wavelength it's and then, such a good no, moment it's not like things again are not as simple as they seem just because we're on the same side now doesn't mean it's going to last okay go on and then they then he <laughs> then he drops the he then he drops the truth bomb that her parents are no one oh yeah which again great moment because this uh, Ryan Johnson explained it thus like the hardest thing for Luke to hear in the empire strikes back is that he was the son of vader because vader is everything he feared he would become that's not ray's problem ray's problem is constantly 
he said, well, Brian Johnson said, hearing that she was from someone good or bad would have made her happy because she would have known that she had a place in the galaxy. The hardest thing for her to hear and what makes it such a great mm -hmm. moment is the fact that the hardest thing for her to hear is you are no one. You have no one to fall back on. Like, you are just, you're somehow just here. You are somehow a powerful being. And I love, and that's, uh, and I don't, this is definitely a final thought that I just like, I just want to say now is that because it's reflected here is that that is a crux of Star Wars that is something that abandons everything we knew about heritage being everything. And the fact that any, any individual in the galaxy special is something unique. And it's something that makes this whole movie special, especially with the final, I think it's the final shot with the, with the kid. Yeah. But it's basically it's, the, it's this, love. it's this notion that it's, the democratization it's, I, of the again I'll, I'll say it again in final but yeah the, I, I wanted to save that for final but if we're on it we're on it but like the democratization of the force is important and what luke says earlier is important just because the jedi think they own the light doesn't mean they do just like the skywalkers just because you think the skywalkers are all powerful doesn't mean that they're all good you know you're nothing like it's and that's what's special about it yeah what's special about it what makes her worth more than the skywalkers in this moment is you are no one like you are the light incarnate right now you don't have the jedi don't have to be around to harp to like message you to bring it back you know anyway we, we need to keep going yeah and just and yeah, 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 yeah. The escape pods are being fired upon. Finn and Rose are about to be beheaded. Jesus, we're not even at the end yet. Five Finn and Rose are about to be beheaded, and Kylo and Rey are in a tug of war. As the saber breaks in half, Holdo at full speed crashes into the First Order Armada, cutting in half. In the sh <laughs> on the ship, Finn and Rose get away with the help of BB-8, but not before Phasma is killed very unceremoniously. Um, Finn finally announces that his allegiance. Um, in the throne room, Hux finds Snoke dead and an unconscious Kylo. So devastated. Uh, he reaches for his weapon, but quickly puts it back when Kylo rises. Kylo blames Rey for what happened and then assumes command of the First Order. Okay. Before we go anywhere, I just want to, we don't have to talk about everything. We're not talking about everything. I just want to say the Haldo Haldo's moment is so jaw-dropping. Well, it's also the way that they did it. Not just that it's a good moment, but the way they shot it and the way you see light speed done in that way is so cool. But anyway. I saw this movie five times in the theater <laughs> and every single time it it got like an intense reaction. And I remember like the third- Especially because there's no sound. Yeah, I was about to say in like the third time I saw or fourth time I saw the movie, they put a sign outside the door that said, the sound does not cut out at this TRT- it's just part of the movie because people were complaining that like the sounds cut out and it's like no that's just how it goes you big dumb idiot people are, all right you big dumb idiots let's keep going the resistance with rose and finn now in camp sends a distress call to the rest of the galaxy there is no time to wait the first order arrives with battery ram cannons which is death star technology i thought that was pretty cool that i agree um the troops make ready for the battle of crate it is a massacre. 13 rust buckets against TIE fighters and guerrilla walkers. The only, uh, the only reprieve comes from Chewie, Ray, and Porgs swooping down in the Falcon. The Porg being there is always funny, too. I love it. Uh, realizing it is too late and having learned his lesson, Poe orders a full retreat, but Finn continues to charge forward. He is only saved by Rose, who 
barrels into him. With the gate down, the first order advance is ordered. Um, I just wanted to make a note that uh, Finn would not have stopped the battery from breaking through the door at that moment. Ryan Johnson said he could have made that more clear, and I think he could have as well. Like, Rose saved his life and saved the resistance, because at that point it wouldn't have mattered if he had rammed into the cannon or not. They, yeah, I mean, they build it as to such a heroic moment that he's going to go into this big sacrifice. The music swells. He's dry, He's riding, you know, he, he's riding towards the light. You see going glowing more red. And, like, it's just clearly building to a big hero sacrificial moment. So you would, the audience would think, I of course, think, he's going to put a stop to it. Like, that would. Like, it's... I know that we're, like, we need to stop talking about different things, but I need to, I need to mention... Ahead of ourselves with the final... with. I, I just like need to mention something right now. The music in the sequence, fucking uh, incredible. We'll talk about it with the John Williams Award for yeah. sure. I just wanted to make a note while we were here. The music, especially that scene. Yeah. Uh, where was I? The resistance uh, signal has been heard, but no one answers. Quote We fought to the end, but the galaxy has lost all its hope. The spark is out. Just then, Luke makes his presence known. Luke and Leia have what they know will be their final discussion, ending with Luke reminding his sister, nobody is ever really gone. Uh, well, hold on. As he gives Leia Han's dice and kisses her on the forehead, she realize, she looks up realizing what's going on. Um, I don't know if this is like really true or not but mark hamill says he cannot watch the sequel because it's just like too oh it's, it's heartbreaking i mean like i get i completely get where he's coming from it's 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 got to be tough especially for him but it's it's yeah. a scene that really works i it's heavy heavy stuff especially with the large context um in awe the resistance stands to watch luke take on uh take on the entire first order with a laser sword uh I just love that moment too, because in reality, this is the first time everyone in the resistance has probably seen like a Jedi or, or like, especially this Jedi, this is Luke Skywalker, you know? So like for all the resistance fighters to get up and just like be in awe, it makes complete sense. Um, love it. Kylo orders all guns to fire on his old master. The dust settles, yet Luke more. still stands. More! I, more. I, love that, I love that moment, too, when Luke it's, is revealed and he just, like, shuffles his shoulder. He's, like, oh, man. it off. Like, it's so man. good. In a fit of rage, Kylo loses all sense of reason and decides to confront Luke himself. Poe realizes quickly what Luke is doing. It is a distraction for the Resistance to get away. They follow the Volpixes, Volpixes, I don't know, because um, it's supposed to be an X in there. Uh, they Volpix, follow, like the Pokemon? Yeah. <laughs> they follow the foxes to an opening in the back of the cave. Ray will need to get them out by lifting a bunch of rocks. <laughs> and it comes full circle. Well, that's why that moment is funny. It, that, that moment also lands for me as a joke. Um Kylo draws his lightsaber and charges. Luke dodges all the incoming strikes. More than that, none of his movements are affecting the salt beneath his feet. I just want to talk about the visual of that, the 
salt and the red underneath it's so whoever the, the the production coordinator is like i don't know if those are ryan johnson's ideas but like there's a lot of red in this movie but the colors in general the way it's the way the colors contrast and how the red pops like it's really visually yeah. memorable ray and finn have their long-awaited reunion and and hug i failed you dan i'm sorry i'm sure you are the resistance is dead. The war is over. And when I kill you, I will have killed the last Jedi. Amazing. Every word of what you just said was wrong. The rebellion is reborn today. The war is just beginning. That's like some heavy stuff. It's I, and I it's, wish if we'd have followed through. And I love the uh, well, I love the line that he's. I love that he says, "Strike me down," because that's what the emperor always said. He said, yep. "Strike, strike me down," because it's that. It's that. But and then not to get too deep, but like we've been doing this whole time. This is ridiculous. But basically, like the way the emperor is like, "Strike me down," because it'll make you more powerful. Because you'll be embracing the dark. Where here he's like, go ahead, strike me down. You know exactly what's going to happen. Like, they're both saying, like, they're both, like, teasing the other. Luke went out here with no intention of bringing Kylo back to the light. He even tells Leia as such, I can't save him. Like, he's always known, which is why he feared Kylo, that he could never bring him back from the light. I mentioned that before. So, for Luke... He's going out there to taunt Kylo into a, a battle, and he's going to use his rage against him so that the Resistance can escape. That's the whole plan here. And Kylo just was too enraged to even realize that the possibility that his master, who is using a lightsaber he just destroyed, is not there. It's incredible. Uh, let me finish this and then we'll get into more of it. Luke lowers his weapon and Kylo in a fit of rage charges. While the hit should have cut Luke in two, the Jedi Master still stands. It is the Force projection. Realizing his failure not just to kill his uncle, but to annihilate the Resistance, Kylo shouts to the wind. So I remember being in the theater and when that moment happened, people freaked out it was so epic so epic when they showed him back on the island and he's he's doing his buddha thing and he's like really concentrating the with the i saw on opening night when i saw it the place erupted with like a, like a like cheering and applause like it was like it was a i mean i don't know those are there are certain moments part of what makes me miss the theatrical experience is like missing moments like that, the crowd and that's one of those moments i'll always remember it was just so brilliant for him to use the force projection in a way to do that and in a way luke is doing the most jedi thing that we have probably ever seen in terms of combat you know what are the jedi they're supposed to be peacekeepers they're not whatever mace windu said in i think episode two we're not war we're not generals we're peacekeepers of the peace or we're not an army, we're keepers of the peace. Luke is like adhering to that principle here. It's a point that they all must. Like, yeah. he has finally succumbed 
to the realization that people needed him. He, Luke Skywalker needed to come back to start the spark back up in the galaxy again. They needed his light to, you know, the spark to ignite it. But, yeah. And he's willing to do that. But he's not willing to just kill. <laughs> he's not willing to, like... He's it just really aiming order. He's not you know sorry go on it really is the jedi way it's in yeah. in in a way not to tease next week's very uh, i'm already re- i'm already dreading next week's conversation but just not to tease I'm looking forward to it it's going to be uh, fun. it's going to be great but it's basically they uh, everything good about what the what the jedi have built to in terms of this idea of what fighting really means and keeping peace is completely undone with this idea of oh, you gotta kill the bad guy and whatever it doesn't matter it doesn't matter about about what rises cover is but basically everything you're saying is like we've been hinting at for weeks about how this movie brings a lot full it's gonna <laughs> folks welcome to the final thoughts show where steven and i just talk about final thoughts with plot stuff in between time. um but basically, it's like, but I'm afraid I'm going to lose the thought if I don't say it. But no, basically, it. Um, it's just that everything you're saying about the Jedi keeping the peace, going back to Mace Windu's quotes, going back to, to, to Yoda being in hiding and Yoda finally learning. Like, it's all kind of building to this movie because it's kind of like, this is the way we've been preaching it all along. Like, this is the way the Jedi should operate. Luke seems to be the only character to understand that. Yeah. So. And what was I going to say? And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago. I don't remember which episode, but what makes Luke such an interesting character and what happens in this movie too is he is able to find an option that no other person thinks is possible. You were saying that if uh, I don't remember what episode we were talking about, but. And that's what he did here. It was at the end of Empire. Sorry. It's when he jumped off. It's when he jumped off the ledge. Yeah, exactly. And then again, in episode six, you had the two factions. You had the emperor telling at what's interesting and we didn't make a note of this in episode six is you have the emperor and the jedi telling luke you have to kill vader and he throws away his weapon and says no and this is what he's doing again he's saying i'm not going to actually fight because the fighting is why i ran away i can't fight i i have no more fight left in me but that doesn't mean i can do nothing i can still do something right something big there's a third option there is a third option. I can inspire the hope that I that only I can inspire. And that's basically what Yoda told him. Shut the fuck up and be Luke Skywalker again. <laughs> All right, we got to keep going. It's your Christ. turn. On, on Act 2, uh, looking out onto the binary sunset, very poetically, Luke surrenders himself to the, force, to the Force, vanishing in the wind with peace and purpose. Kylo and Rey look at one another one, look at one, another one more time. This time, Rey closes the door on him. His father's dice vanish in his hand. On the Falcon, the resistance can finally rest. Ray asks Leia how they can win. Reassuringly, Leia tells her new apprentice, we have everything we need. On Cantabite, the legend of Luke Skywalker has instilled hope in the galaxy once more. Children are telling the story to one another, including Timiri Blagg, broom boy. When sent back to work, he calls the broom without touching it. The music begins to swell, and he looks into space. The light will go on. The end. Okay. Um, usually we do Canon Corner. I can do like... A Just really make it quick. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Let's just talk about the resistance. I'm not sure. Sorry. That was Who's not sure? Alexa. Um, <laughs> not Alexa. Siri. Um, the resistance. Uh, I mean, I kind of teased it last week, but it was not really government sanctioned wholeheartedly. What happened was after the, during the galactic civil war, Mon Mothma, who became chancellor, wanted to dissolve the entire army. She, in fact, did dissolve the entire army. She said, war is over, we're done, no more militarization, because that's been the problem. Um, which I'm sure you can realize led to more problems. And because the First Order can come in and there's really no resistance. Leia, while running for Chancellor after Mon Mothma was like old, uh, her name was being thrown around for Chancellor, and but someone was trying to blackmail her. So through a series of events, she stumbles across the, the First Order construction of massive war machines. They're Imperial Star Destroyers, every, all these massive things. And Leia goes back to the to the Senate and is like, guys, this war is not over. And then the news drops, like, you are Darth Vader's daughter, which, of course, buys her very little support, because once you hear those words, no one is going to wor work with you. Now, what's your source for this? This is a book called Bloodline. Okay. I, um, okay. So because she's calling for war and because she is Darth Vader's daughter, she gets she gets deemed to be a warmonger. People literally called her a warmonger. So she literally, knowing what is being constructed and knowing like the terror that is looming, she said, I'm not a warmonger, but we got to prepare. Like shit's about to hit the fan. So she starts the resistance army as a essentially guerrilla terrorist organization when general hux is talking in episode seven that they've acquiesced to disorder and like how the resistance is not really government sanctioned he's not wrong the government had nothing to do with the resistance it operated on of its own volition which is why they were not destroyed with hosnian prime so that's why it's imperative in this movie that Snoke find and destroy all of the resistance because that is all that is left to don't resist wanna Don't want to wipe them out. Yeah. So that's, I told you I would keep it quick. It was quick and we are done. Let's get that's, into the categories. Josh, tell us what they are. As always, we have most iconic moment, clunkiest dialogue, the John Williams Award, best creature or droid design, standout character, and best use of the Force. All right, Josh, tell us, what what is your most iconic moment? All right, so since we did a full <laughs> breakdown, I'm just going to, I'll say that my runner-up is the throne room duel, but of course, most iconic moment is, I think, let me just make a quick interjection that this movie's like I had, like we had said with some of the others, like like Phantom Menace was a good example. Despite how anyone feels about the fi the final product, there's a lot of iconic moments. This is another one for me. A lot of iconic moments. Yes, there are. Um, and it, it's funny because a lot of them are, are slow, or they're like even just like with Yoda coming back and um, you know the Rashomon moment. But the, my ultimate runner-up is the throne room duel. My real pick is the end. Luke and Kyle Ren. Uh, yeah, that's what I wrote. Luke on crate. It's incredible. It's not just that. It's Luke's conversation with Leia is also up there for me too. That's like oh, for me. It's a whole 
but I mean, so much. That's why I said Luke on crate is probably is my answer. Uh, We talked a lot about it, so we don't need to go into it again. Nope. Clunkiest dialogue. I wrote down one line that Finn has. Quote: It was worth it though to see that that town get destroyed. I don't think that there's too much clunky dialogue in this movie, but you know, it arguably the Finn and Rose stuff gets a little clunky sometimes. Speaking of Rose, I just have her one line only because of, I guess it's the delivery, but that's how we're going to win. Not by fighting what we hate, but saving what we love. It's a great it's quote. A po- yeah. I was about to say, I think it's a poetic line, but it's just like odd timing. Yeah. It's very, I think it's just the placement of it. I don't know. I'm not going to harp on it. I have nothing against Marie Tran. Like we said, I just, it's that line has always stands out to me like, eh, it's a little Georgie, but uh, anyway, but yeah. <laughs> But there uh, aren't, there isn't much. No, 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 the dialogue really lands. Like as we said, Ryan Johnson is, I think, as far as dialogue, especially, is a lot of the script really works. Yeah. Um, the for the John Williams Award. This one's um, tough. I gotta say, John. Uh, Williams you had made a note. A game. Yeah. To this movie, like I know that the Force Awakens has a great soundtrack, but this one is like you outdid yourself. This is like a masterpiece. Go on. Hey. D- I, I agree. I agree. It's phenomenal. I was going to say the whole battle of crate. I think, I don't, I know in, on the soundtrack listing, it's the battle of crate is its own thing. My actual pick is the spark. Mine too. Um, I love that buildup. I think it's the tension. It's that whole buildup because as Luke's walking, it's not just how the scene is played, but like, it's just the music behind it builds and builds. And it's almost, it's almost like a reverse imperial march it's like almost like it feels villain it feels like it's got the same like ominous like kind of like trumpets but it's like building and building like in the way that it builds with darth vader but here we are in a different space you know it's a new skywalker taking on a new theme and it builds and builds and builds and i just every time i'm on the edge of my seat because i it's because of the music so i listen to that song sometimes to pump me up oh man really gets me excited um (laughs) best creature design I went with the Porgs. Same. I like them. I don't really understand. I, I really just, again, I don't mean to be an asshole, but like, if you don't like, if you don't like the Porgs, okay, fine. But if you don't like this movie because of the Porgs, get You're, the fuck over yourself. Yeah, get it. <laughs> I agree. I love the Porgs. I'm here for them. The standout character, obvious. Probably, we probably have the same one. It's Luke. Right? Luke. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I also at length and I'm sure we'll talk about him more diplomatically I think based on because I I looked at Star Wars as a whole and I'm like who are the standout characters for these movies and even though he could have been a standout character like we said in Return of the Jedi or even you know um, or any of the original trilogy um, this was his movie yeah he's come a far away from uh, complaining about Tashi Station which Um, leads to the best use of the force which is obviously the Luke uh, force projection the force projection because it's phenomenal and we've never seen anything that like that is it. like the most badass thing i've ever seen too like again um, i don't mean to harp on it but you know this is the time disapp- to do it people are disappointed that luke didn't come to crate for real and like bring down star destroyers and all this other stuff but in reality what he did was like more impressive with the force he i will projected across the galaxy let's use this as a launching pad for our final discussion because I would say, the, at least what I hear, at least it's the loudest, and at least on the internet, and the people I've met who hate it, is that the the most fanboys seem to hate this movie. Like, there are people who said this... So to just preface our conversation, there are people who have sworn off of Star Wars completely because of this movie. There are people who say the sequel trilogy is entirely terrible, 
simply because of this movie. There are people who felt betrayed, who felt whatever. And I'm not going to harp on that because like, I just don't understand it. I don't get it because I think what it is, is that it's the reverse of those reactions that make this movie what it is. It's the fact that it's a, not really a middle finger, like me throwing the lightsaber away can be a bit of a, seen as a middle finger, but the whole movie is a rejection of everything that fans think they know about Star Wars. That's the movie's entire message, and that's what I love about it. It's Brian Johnson's thesis on Star Wars, and what he, the, the thing is, he's telling you it's something that you didn't necessarily think that it was, and he you can either open your mind to at least listening to it or you can completely close yourself off and go, I hate this movie because of it. Another reason I don't think people like this movie is because you mentioned it before. The first like major battle sequence is the Praetorian Guards versus Kylo and Rey, which doesn't come until like an hour and a half, maybe a little bit longer into it, maybe like hour 45 minutes into the movie. So you're asking a lot of your audience. This is not an action-packed movie. This is like a philosophical debate of a movie, which is why I love it. It's, I, yeah. I, people, that, that's the deviation point for this movie. What are you looking out of, for out of Star Wars? Because if you're looking for blasters firing, big expensive explosions, you're going to go to the JJ movie. Like That's what you're looking for. But for me and I can only speak for myself, I like diving deep into the philosophy of what Star Wars means and what the Force means. And he's having, like you said, very meta conversations within this movie. He's talking about the failure of the Jedi, which is a conversation most people would have to have outside of a Star Wars movie because within, you never thought that anyone would say the Jedi are bad except for a dark side user. You never thought, especially Luke, you didn't think Luke Skywalker would ever say that. But here we are. You know, uh, you, you, you know, uh, the whole notion of being a grown ass man who's like defending Star Wars is like, it's almost like become like, a, it's become like a comical thing, right? Like this, like the nerd fandom that this franchise has spawned is like ridiculous. So when people talk about why they love Star Wars, everyone's got their own thing. But then like, I watched this movie and like, there's something about it and just even going over it plot by plot, literally dissecting, it's, we literally were, we're dissecting, it's, it's like every scene because what this movie is doing is it's, it's calling back to everything that I loved about Star Wars as a child that I could not explain about what I love about it as an adult. Because I look at Star Wars, I'm like, oh, it's a great story about good and evil. But then I look at The Last Shadow and I'm like, no, no, this is about so much more like you said, philosophical, complex, human back, uh, you know, back and forth between light and dark. Like this movie's so adult, I can imagine a child watching it and getting bored. And it's like, I almost feel like that's what happens to the adult audiences is they, the child in them is bored because these people think they want to go and see lightsaber battles. They don't want to see these discussions about the force. And meanwhile, like that is the point of the whole thing. That's what Dave Filoni understands that seemingly a lot of Disney doesn't understand. That is something that clearly Brian Johnson understands that a lot of people don't understand. Like I said, I feel like this movie is so hated on overall. And that point of view, I think will grow over time. <laughs> this movie made me feel like Luke for oh, like at least a year or two after it came out. 
I just became a crotchety old man whenever anyone wanted to talk about Star Wars. I'm like, you just get it. I can't, I have to reject the thing I love because I just like can't talk about the legend of Luke Skywalker right now, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it literally- You have to, you have no choice but to walk away from it. Yeah, but at I the mean, end of the day- I mean, I don't know. And I think this movie did something that people just like weren't ready for, which is something new. And people just like, I guess, wanted more of the same. We'll get it more into that next week, but. And, and I mean, and, and to, and to just say, just go off of that note about like going, like giving people more of the same and going to it next week. And what I will say about this moment here, and I felt it, and I think I've said it to you, is I, no, I have definitely said it to you, is I've grown this philosophy, especially rewatching this and especially having watched the rise of Skywalker is that I felt something watching this movie that I felt when I watched the dark Knight, And I, the reason I said it is because I, the movie it's, so well that it's over for me, it has all the threads that it needs to that like, and I know this is bold and this is the bold statement that I felt, but it's that for me, this is where star Wars ends because all the characters have come full circle. Mm. Ray Ray has realized she's a nobody. That's what makes her special. The thing I was gonna say about the the little boy is like it the fact that they ended with that shot where here's a broom boy who's you know picking up a he, he, you know, he grabs the broom, no problem, and then he picks it up like a lightsaber. And after telling that, like, I don't know, like everything about this just it feels like the end. You know what I mean? And even though like there is this cliffhanger, what's gonna happen with Kylo Ren, I like looking at it as Kylo Ren has accepted himself against all odds as being supreme leader he's the new villain and he will rule the galaxy evil will still you could reign just say it as simply as he's accepted that he is kylo he's that's... foregone ben and he is just kylo now and and that's it which is what i to your point at the end of this movie they have become complete characters 100 percent. and i think that is why i think that's what jj had a problem with in the next movie he just where do you go when you have a complete character? I alluded but, earlier to every character doing a 180. Poe completely... It is unfortunately like the weakest section in the movie is all the whole Cantabite stuff, but they learn and they grow and they see different perspectives. They see rich and poor, they see their perspectives. Ray and Luke meet in this gray area. They understand it's not just about good and evil. And this whole movie is about taking every character and flipping them upside down. And like you just said, it's like, where do you go from there? I can literally imagine watching this movie, being part of a writer's team, and then like, okay, you're giving the rise of Skywalker. And me being like, nope, I quit. Like I like I literally don't know what where to go from here. Yeah, because I, they tie it up so well, but because it's expected to be a trilogy, I don't know. I, I just, it's such a good ending for me. <laughs> I, I completely agree. Now, I also wanted to note like I like just take a step back and say like you guys heard throughout the podcast Josh and I are not just blowing smoke up this movie <laughs> blow smoke up this movie we acknowledge that there are faults in this movie Canto 100% Bite, Canto Bite it's not the best like the Haldel Poe scenes you know I'm I can make sense of them on like other people are they my favorite thing to watch no but when you get down to it the three things that I wanted most Ray Kylo and Luke for me delivered just because it's not your interpretation of what you think Luke should have done or have become, I also want to remember, I want to remind you, all you people, that JJ put him on the fucking island. So just remember that. 
Ryan didn't come up one day and say, okay, I'm going to put Luke on an island. JJ said he was on a fucking island. <laughs> there he is. Okay. So you had, Ryan was given the task. Why was, why was Luke on this island? And how else are you supposed to make him a recluse on an island? Like, tell me, I, I don't know. Because like, yeah. kind of like what Ryan was saying, like if he was still using the force and not helping while Han was getting killed, it would make him a coward. Like, and mm. he's, don't get me wrong, he is a coward in this movie, but for different reasons. Completely. And then he completely learns to see a new perspective. He completely, or like he takes on the third perspective like you're seeing, but like every, he's still growing. He's going like, okay, like I've abandoned my post because it's like, I can't choose you know where to be in this fight and yet like he still finds a way to fight while keeping the peaceful order that the jedi preach and so in a way we talked about at the jedi i had said i made a, a bit about saying like it didn't feel like it's a fitting it's a fitting ending to this to the to the to the first six movies it's a fitting ending overall return of the jedi as an all like as a as a whole like everyone feels universally the same way sure it's a good ending but like yeah you have the ewoks and the festival and they're like it's a strange kind of note to end on and it's quick they all hug and it's and it's over so for me to feel like the last jedi is the end it's very kind of sad because you know in this perspective han's been killed and now Luke sacrifices himself, but it really, it lit the story literally ends with Luke Skywalker. It's true, true story. The movie was actually supposed to end, not with John Williams music, but with the doors. This is the end. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think there's nothing more that could be said. We can literally sit here for, and do a filibuster on this. Say, we can literally keep talking for another like six hours on this movie, but let's not tell me, Josh, do you have a pick of the week? I, I do. I probably picked it. It's uh, uh, Ridley Scott's Prometheus. The only reason I picked it, and I don't know if I've talked about it, is because it is a sequel slash prequel, whatever, to an iconic franchise that a lot of people hated that I thought didn't deserve hate. Not comparing it to Last Jedi, it's more so the fan reactions. Um, I, I just think it does what Alien did in terms of its horror sci-fi stuff, and it does it really well. And I enjoy it. And, 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 and it set itself up for a very disappointing sequel. Okay. <laughs> that, is true. that sequel is really bad. Um, and so I'll leave it on that note. I'm going really to go with, I think, so, chose, uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I think you chose this one once before, but I'm going to go with Blade Runner 2049. Oh. I feel like it is another beautiful philosophical sequel that audiences just didn't understand. I'm not saying that audiences hated 2049 because the people who saw it loved it, but it's not like it hit wide mass appeal. It didn't do great at the box office. It also came out the same. It also uh, came out the same year. The same year, yeah. But um, 2049 is also a movie that you think you understand where it's going and then it just like rips it out from under you and you're like oh my god wait it's a what? phenomenal comparison so that's my pick i love uh, it so i think that concludes this long episode of whose filmography is it anyway josh tell me where can the to all those poor bastards at home i'm so sorry they'll i'll tell them in a sec to all the poor people at home who have stuck it out this long i just want to i thank you <laughs> I don't like we always thank for we don't thank you for doing it like you know we're always it's always the vibe is there the energy is there but like this is ridiculous like we literally just did a whole 
you know, a very long breakdown of this, but yes. Um, <laughs> um, but as yes, where, where can the people find us? They can find me at letterboxd under beesh, B-E-E-S-H. It's exactly as it sounds. Steven, where can they, they find you and the show? The show could be found on Instagram at Who's Filmography. I could be found on Instagram and lettered box at Mr. Film Art. Next week, we conclude the Star Wars Skywalker saga with The Rise of Skywalker, which arguably could be a longer episode than this one. I have no idea at this particular moment because kind of like Dennis from... It's always sunny in Philadelphia. My rage will hold no bounds. (laughs) So we will see you there.